right? But hey, uh, I got the privilege last week. We were driving back from Springfield and uh, Missouri where we had dropped our kids off for college. And uh, we got to watch. Uh, I will preface a little bit. I was watching some. I was mostly driving, okay, about watching Pastor Haley preach last week on Facebook Live. And so uh, one way you can digitally invite someone to church every Sunday is when you walk in is check in on Facebook. And some of you, how many of you already do that? I know quite a few of you already do that. Do that every week when you walk in here, and that, that's going to, you know, uh, you know how Facebook's algorithms are and all that junk. And so they'll, uh, that'll invite someone to be with you. Uh, and then also share the Facebook feed. That way others will join in and watch. Because people need to hear the gospel, don't they? Whether they're sitting in their living room or they're sitting here with us, they need to hear the gospel, don't they? And so share that. And I had a great time this morning in our Connect group. I know uh, Pastor Dave mentioned already about our Connect groups. And we ended a three-week journey a three-week, three-year journey through the Gospel Project all the way through the Bible, and we're going to restart next week. Uh, but last uh, uh, two weeks ago, I got to be in the Faith Connect group and teach, and this morning I got to be with our Builders class. And, and uh, if you're not really familiar, the Builder class um, is the last class we have before you get to go graduate to glory, okay? And uh, so it's really hard to convince people to go into that class for obvious reasons, but now, as some of the greatest people in our church are in that class, and so I got to be in there with them this, this morning. And if you're not in a connect group, let me encourage you to jump in and, and find one. Uh, find one you can connect in and connect with other people. But get your bulletin out this morning, right? Get your bulletin and turn to 1 Peter chapter number 4. 1 Peter chapter number 4. Our outline's in the bulletin this morning. And it says there, and you see on the screen here, three words, hope, trust, and endure. And on your bulletin, you can see really the, the goal that Peter had in writing this letter. Remember, he wrote this letter to not only Jewish believers, but Gentile believers who were being persecuted under the authority of Nero. And here's, in really in one statement, the goal of 1 Peter. To inform believers of their living hope, exhort believers to trust God in difficulties, and challenge believers to endure through faith. And so this is week seven. And you can see on your bulletin there, we have every week except this week, we have used a one-word title, right? So week one was chosen, and we realized that if we're followers of Christ, we are followers of Christ because he chose us. And I'm glad that he chose me to be on the winning team, right? We are chosen. Week two was faith, and we realized that a faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. And the reality is that trials will reveal the genuineness or the lack of sincerity in our faith. And so there's a blessing in trials. The blessing, one of those blessings is to know that my faith is real. Genuine faith is real. Week three was purpose. We realized that we are created uh, on purpose for a purpose. And we're better together, right? Remember Preston beat me in the Jenga game and the, really the idea in First Peter there was that we are to be built up together in Christ, that God has placed us as living stones, a part of the tabernacle, the church of Christ, and that we do that better together. We're created for purpose. Week four was unfair. How many of you were here last Sunday? Last Sunday, as I told you, we were driving back from Springfield and I got it turned on right at the point when my, my dad was saying 
that I chose the word unfair. And, you know, do you guys, you guys remember that? And he kind of threw me under the bus, didn't he? I hurt a little bit. I cried a little bit inside. It hurt. Aren't you thankful, though, that God is not fair with us? And if, you're, if you don't understand what I'm saying, it's, I'll, I'll explain it really quickly. God gives mercy to those who call on his name. And what mercy means is that I don't get what I deserve. And not only does God give me mercy when I call out to him, he gives me grace. And grace is the flip side of mercy. Is, mercy is I don't get what I deserve, but grace is I get what I don't deserve. I'm glad God is not fair with me because what I deserve, what Ben quoted as he was praying there was that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so I deserve death. I deserve hell. I deserve punishment for my sins. And yet Jesus hung on the cross and he took my punishment. And that wasn't fair for him and it's not fair for me. But I'm thankful God is not fair with me, but that he's merciful and gracious. Week five was marriage, and we challenged you, especially you that are not married, especially you that are not married ladies, to choose wisely. Don't get stuck with some loser, all right? I think, I think the word I said was, was uh, what was the word I said? All right, I'll let you say it. I didn't want to say it again. All right. And men, lead with honor and lead humbly and serve your wife. Serve your wife. Men, serve your wife. Ladies. All right. Men, serve your wife. Week six. Last week, Pastor Haley spoke on hope. And our hope is in a person, isn't it? Our hope is in Jesus. Jesus changes everything. The gospel changes everything. And the gospel means nothing except for the fact that Jesus lived out the gospel. And Jesus is our hope today. If you don't know Jesus today, I trust that before you leave that you'll know Jesus. Whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can have the hope that we're talking about. You can have the hope that the Scripture clearly spells out. You can have grace and you can have mercy. You can have Jesus today. But 1 Peter chapter number 4, as we continue, um, we're not going to read the first Uh, six verses, but we're going to skip down to verse number 11. And and verse number uh, 1 through 6, I could basically summarize it to say, well, now that you're a follower of Christ, then act like Christ. Okay, so that's just saved us all the time, right? Since you follow Christ, act like Christ. That's really what verses 1 through 6 are saying. So let's look at verse number 7. And before we get to 7, though, I asked a question on Facebook this week uh, about um, what is on your bucket list, Right? Everybody knows what the bucket list is, right? It's the things you want, the list you want to get done before you kick the what? Bucket, all right? It's before you leave this earth. And so what are some things, and everything, uh, many things that came over that you said uh, to response on Facebook was uh, that you want to, a lot of people want to travel. How many of you would like to, there's a destination you'd like to travel to before you kick the bucket, right? Okay. Raise your hand. There's a, a lot of us in here, right? And, and so that's awesome. A year ago today, I had the blessing to be uh, in China, visiting some awesome friends from our church here. And I had the opportunity, I think it was a year ago today, maybe it was a year ago yesterday, <clears throat> we climbed the wall, the Great Wall. And then you, you can ride, did you know you could ride like these little bobsleds down? 
How many of you have ever ridden the bobsleds down? It was really cool because um, Bruce and Andrew were ahead of us at some point. I didn't even know exactly where they were. But as I was riding the gondola up, I look and I see this, this bald head person going by on a bobsled. And I had in my head, that kind of looks like Bruce, but I don't think Bruce looked that old. And, and I'd never seen him from that vantage point. And so comes by, hey, it is Bruce. Hey, Bruce, how you doing? Uh, is Bruce in here today? Praise Jesus, he's not here. But, uh, but we rode the bobsled down, and um, I wrecked my bobsled. Can you, are you surprised that in any way, shape, or form? So... Uh, Kirsten over there, hey, Kirsten, you want to wave at us? Kirsten, one of our college students, she was right in front of me. And so there was people all over as you're going down trying to tell you to slow down. Rules. I don't like rules. So my plan was to just, you know, put on the brakes until everyone got way down there and then just fly down the thing. How many of you would have done that too? Yeah, it was great. Well, the brakes don't work as good as they probably should. And... So I rammed into Kirsten quite a few times. Sorry, Kirsten. She had some little whiplash issues and stuff like that. But the last time, I was going so fast, and I was like, I'm going to destroy her life if I hit her going this fast. So I just kind of bailed out of my bobsled and rode it down on my elbow and had this huge burn on my arm. But I saved her life. It's okay. I was a hero that day. In my mind, I was a hero. I don't know why I'm telling the story, but we all have these ideas of things we want to do on our bucket list. And how would your list change this morning if you were to find out today that you had 30 days to live? What would change or would something change on your bucket list? Would your list go from maybe things that you want to experience to be more relational. Some conversations that you may want to have. Or some things you want to tell some people. It's, it's interesting that when, when we're faced with something so sudden, the reality, that sometimes urgency and simplicity take over, don't they? Or maybe the trip to Greece isn't as important as making a phone call to someone you haven't talked to. Maybe the trip to China to wreck the college girl's life is not as important as making sure my neighbor knows Jesus. And so in, in the understanding of what we're about to read, that's, that's what Peter is trying to get them to understand. The reality that life is short. That life is not guaranteed. Tomorrow, you realize Scripture is very clear that tomorrow is not guaranteed. James says life is here, and then it's like a what? It's a vapor. It's here, and it's gone. And the older I get, the more I understand life just happens so fast, doesn't it? I mean, I look at some of you and how old you are. Like, man, life really must be going fast for you guys. You know, the last two or three weeks in my life have been kind of sobering. A lot of things have happened in the last three weeks that make me feel old, but also make me realize life is short. 
I turned 45 this month already. That's crazy old. I just made half of you mad, I know. We celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary, July 31st. I mean, those are two things that I thought old people said. Been married 25 years and alive 45 years. We took our two kids to college. That's where we were last Sunday. That's what old people do. That's what, I mean, that's what I'm thinking, right? I'm, I'm an old person. And then in the last, I don't know, 14 days, we, we've had three funerals here at the church. And I remember at Kay McFarland's funeral, she was 91 years old. She joined the church here in 1951. She gave her life to Christ in an adult Sunday school class in 1951 at Hallmark Baptist Church. And you know what she said on her deathbed? I wish I could have done more for Jesus. That's the perspective that Peter wants us to have. Let's read verse 7. 1 Peter 4, verse 7. My eyes are leaking, I can't read. Verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. You see the statement there? The end of all things is at hand. He's trying to get his audience, those he's writing to, to realize life is short. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. The end of all things is at hand. Now understand, this was written almost 2,000 years ago, right? And some translations are going to say the end of all things is near. Now we're here almost 2,000 years later reading that. And it almost makes it think like, well, Peter must have been wrong because it wasn't near. But it's not necessarily talking about the proximity of time, but in the suddenness of things to happen. In other words, what he is saying is at any moment in time, Jesus could return. At any moment in time, what Scripture would, de- would describe as the trump of God would sound, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up with Jesus in the clouds. That moment could happen in the next moment. That's what Peter is trying to get them to understand. The reality, the seriousness, the urgency that at any moment Jesus could come back. And it's still true today. So with that in mind, he says, the end of all things is at hand. In other words, Jesus could come back today. Your life could end today. Then he uses that word, therefore, right? And we all know what therefore is therefore, right? We just told you. Because life is uncertain, because life is not guaranteed, because Jesus Christ could come back at any moment, and I'm going to have to give an account of my life before Jesus Christ, then how should I live? Well, he's going to tell us. Let's keep reading. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. You might underline that word. That's a hard one. Verse 10. And as each of you have received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So Peter is trying 
to explain to these persecuted believers the importance of their life, the urgency in which they should live, the simplicity maybe in which they should live, the weight that should be on their life that at any moment this life could end. And he gives us three things there on your outline if you want to fill them out. Number one, how should we live in light of eternity and the return of Christ could be at any moment? Number one, pray with perspective. Pray with perspective. Isn't it amazing uh, when you get a different perspective how it can change everything you thought? Everything you thought that maybe you would do when you got the job or everything you thought you would do when you had kids and then you had kids and you realize, wow, life. Is, it's amazing to me, people without kids, who, how, how much wisdom they have on how you should raise your kids. Right? I, I, mean, I mean, to be honest, for, for you know, 10 plus years, uh, I, I tried to educate parents on how to raise their teenagers. And I didn't even know what, I never even had a teenager. Like, it didn't make any sense to me, Right? How can I tell these people how to raise their kids? I am a kid, right? Isn't it amazing how your perspective changes when you have a teenager? And the perspective that we should live every day with, the urgency that we should live every day with, is that this could be my last day. This may be the last opportunity I have to tell someone about Jesus. Would it change my prayer life if every day I got up thinking, thank God for today, I'm not guaranteed of tomorrow. What does God want me to do today? It would change my prayer life, wouldn't it? It would, it would change your prayer life. When we change our prayer life, if we pray with perspective, understanding no one's guaranteed of tomorrow. What is prayer? It's simply a conversation with your Creator. Now, there's some of you in the room that are big-time worriers. How many of you like to, I hate to use the word like, but I, I feel like you like it. How many of you are worriers? Just put your hand up. I'm going to give you some great advice. If you are a worrier, here's what's great about it. You should be the greatest prayer warriors there are. Because worry, what worry really is, is just mulling things, meditating on things in your mind, right? And worry says, I'm in control, and i got to fix it, and i got to do it, and no one else is going to do it, right? Can I get an amen from the warriors, all right? Well, all prayer is, is adding God to that conversation you're already having with yourself. All that time you spend mulling things over in your mind, meditating on what could happen or what should happen or what did happen or why won't it happen or why didn't it happen or what if, what if, what if, what if. Just talk to God about it. You spend a lot of time in a conversation with yourself. Just add God to the conversation. When I, when I worry, what does Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says? Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing but with, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We, we've, we've kind of paraphrased that around here, that it basically what Philippians 4, 6 is saying is, worry about nothing, pray about everything. Worry about nothing, pray about everything, but verse 7 is even better than verse 6. 
Because verse 7 in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, basically, worry about nothing, pray about everything. Verse number 7 then gives a great promise that comes with verse 6. Verse 6, worry about nothing, pray about everything. Verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard and keep your hearts through who? Jesus. Perspective changes everything. And if we were to live like tomorrow or today, maybe our last day, would it change our prayer life? Let me read a few statements here regarding prayer and then we'll move on to the next one. What if when I walked into work, I prayed for divine conversations? What if when I went to the gym, I prayed for divine conversations? What if when I went and stopped and got gas, I prayed for divine conversations? What if in the few moments I'm stuck in the grocery line, frustrated because the person in front of me has 20 items when he's only supposed to have 15, I prayed for divine conversations? The, the reason that most of us don't think that way, and, and I'm, my assumption is that you don't think that way very often because I don't think that way very often, it's because we don't have perspective. It's because we're not living our life with a sense of urgency that any moment this life could end. At any moment, Christ could come back. Pray with perspective. What if we prayed more for others than ourselves? What if we prayed more for the lost to be found than for our riches to abound? The reality is we as Americans spend more time praying about our finances than we do the souls of men. And we're the richest people in the world. What if God answered every prayer you prayed this week, this past week? Would your prayers have had any impact on anyone besides your family? What if God answered every prayer you prayed this past week? Would it have impacted anyone else besides your family? Pray with perspective, number two, love without limits. Love without limits. It says there again in the text, Verse 7, be serious and watchful of your prayers. Verse 8, above all things, have fervent love for one another. Love will cover a multitude of sins. Fervent love, and we could, we could spend a long time just describing what this word is. Uh, the picture here, the Greek word is ektenos, which basically means the picture here is an athlete stretching for the finish line to finish before the person next to him, right? It's this, with everything I have, I'm going to love others. That's the picture it's trying to give here. But instead of trying to picture what it looks like to love here, let's just think of the greatest example of love. And, and let's go back to the verse in Romans 5, 8 that Ben already quoted for us this morning. God demonstrated his love to us that while we were yet what? Sinners. While we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us us. That is love. Not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We're supposed to love. John 13, 34 says this, a new commandment. This is Jesus speaking. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. So Jesus is speaking. He says, as I have loved you, you love others. God demonstrated his love toward us. Not while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that's the degree that Jesus, this is Jesus speaking in John 13, love others as I have loved you. That verse we just read in our text in 1 Peter 4 said, love covers a multitude of sins. In other words, it's, it's I'm willing to love others even when they don't love me. I'm willing to love others even when they're not, let's use quotes here, lovable. Why? Because I'm supposed to love as Christ loved me. And I don't, there is nothing in my life that is good enough to deserve God's love. There is nothing about me that's good enough to deserve the grace and mercy of God. There is nothing good enough in you or in your life or in your family that deserves the, the love of Christ in your life. Love without limits. Let's move on to number three. Serve others sacrificially. Serve others sacrificially. Verse number 10 of our text. As we, each one of you have received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards in manifold grace of God. We get to serve one another, and that's, that's one of the goals, that's one of the purposes when, in earlier in 1 Peter when he said, I'm, I'm putting you as living stones, a part of the church, the body of Christ, so that you can serve one another and serve the world. And what it says here, look at, look at the screen here, verse number 10 says, as each, of, each one has received a gift. So remember, Paul, uh, Peter here is talking to believers. And what he's saying here, every one of you as believers have received something. You've received a gift. We've all received the gift of the Holy Spirit when we gave our life to Christ. And the Holy Spirit empowers us with gifts to serve the body of Christ and to serve the lost world. So what are we supposed to do? As we've received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, I'm a manager of the gift that God has given me. And as I manage the gift, then what God wants me to do is serve others in his church and the lost world. Serve. I'm thankful that this church emulates and, and displays for everyone to see love without limits and people who serve sacrificially. Uh, you know, this uh, last week, last couple of weeks, I told you is we've had uh, a lot of funerals and a lot of great people who've graduated to glory. So we celebrate. We know where they're at. But um, I'm struggling to how to say this. But I went over to one of the widow's house the day after her husband passed away a couple of weeks ago. 
And her son, her oldest son, was, was trying to do the honorable thing, and he was trying to uh, protect and provide for his mom. And he's been, the last few months, as this day had been approaching, asking his mom, uh, Hey, Mom, you should come move with us, and, and you can move into the family with the family, and we'll take care of you and all these things. And she was like, I kind of like where I'm living right now. And she's trying to be gracious, and he's just trying to honor his mom and, and take care of her when, when, when Dad is gone. And so... On Sunday morning when, when his dad passed away, I show up the next Monday morning and I talk to this lady and just, you know, just normal conversation at this time. And she was telling me about what her son was wanting to do. And her son had called that morning and said, um, Mom, I found, you know, I think it was 13 acres and we can build a house and we can build you a small little house out back and it'll be great and and she was just trying to figure out how to say, I want to stay where I'm at, you know. And uh, so she, she just kind of let it go. And then she started saying, man, you know what happened yesterday afternoon after church? So-and-so came over. And they, I wasn't here yet, but they, they left toilet paper and, and paper plates and cups and all these supplies, knowing all the family's going to be over here. And then so-and-so came over from the church, and they brought this kind of food and this kind of food. And then so-and-so came over later that afternoon. They brought more food. And, and then so-and-so came over. And she, ju- she was just telling him what was going on Sunday afternoon that her, her husband had passed away. And then her son said on the phone, Mom, I think your church is going to take care of you. I think God has you right where you're supposed to be. And I thought, what a testimony of this group of people. Aren't you thankful to be a part of a family like this? And then uh, Tuesday, a, a, another funeral, I was talking uh, to Pansy Weesey. And uh, Pansy uh, and her husband Carl, I think they joined back in the 60s. And um, she was just, I was just thanking her. We have a group of ladies who prepare funeral food all the time. They do such an amazing job. They're great servants, and I was just kind of thanking her, and I think she uh, felt um, a little awkward that I was appreciating her, you know. She was just trying to deflect that as gracious as she is, and she said, you know, John, this church walked through when, when my little girl died, and this church is where my husband got saved after my little girl died. And this church is where my son got saved. This church is where my son surrendered to be a missionary. This is my family. Isn't that amazing? Listen, that has nothing to do with anyone else but then the grace of God in people's lives. And that's what he goes on to say in the rest of the passage. Look at verse number 11 again. If anyone speaks, let him speak of God. If anyone ministers, let him do with the ability God supplies. That in all things, God may be what? Glorified. Why would we love without limits? Why would we pray with a different perspective? Why would we serve sacrificially? Why do so many in this church do that? It's so God can be glorified. And if my life 
is not pointing people to Jesus, then what's the purpose? What's the point? Peter is saying here, listen, the end of all things is near. At any moment, Christ could return. And what are you doing for him? Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? Before I started, as I began this morning, I asked, maybe there's someone in in this room that has never given their life to Jesus Christ. You've never experienced his grace and his mercy. And I want to quickly and clearly explain to you, the Bible is very clear that if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. it's, It's a matter of confessing your sins. It's a matter of placing your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation. Would anyone here this morning say, John, I've never given my life to Jesus Christ, but I want to do that today. I want to do that right now. If that's you, would you just put your hand up for a moment this morning? Just put your hand up right where you're at. John, I want to give my life to Christ right now today. Just put your hand up right now. Hold it up high so I can see it. I just want to pray for you. Anyone like that this morning? Then what you do right here, right where you're seated, is you simply cry out to God. You admit you're a sinner. God, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I know that I can't get to heaven on my own. God, I place my faith, I place my life in Jesus. Forgive me. I ask you, Lord, to save me. And I'm going to challenge you this morning, if if you prayed that prayer, come forward this morning and talk to one of us. We're going to be standing here. We're going to be facing you. When we dismiss this morning, I'll be standing in the back. You're welcome to come tell me about it. Maybe it's this morning, just grab that card in front of you in in the pew there and just write it on there. I gave my life to Christ. Give us your information. Put it in the box on your way out, and we'd love to contact you about it. This morning, though, if God has revealed to you that maybe you're not living with the proper perspective, maybe the things of this world and the cares of this world have taken the forefront of your mind. Praying for the lost is something you don't do very often or not nearly enough. Loving others as Christ loved you, yeah, that's not happening either. Maybe God this morning just revealed to you that that you need to live with a different perspective. If God has, has mentioned that and has revealed that to you this morning and you'd like me to pray for you, would you just put your hand up right now? Just put your hand up. God has spoken to me today that I need to leave I need to live with a different perspective. Just put your hand up. Right now this morning. Just put your hand up. Put it up. There's quite a few of us. Just put it up. Don't don't be ashamed. No one's even looking around. You can put them down. I want to ask you in a moment when we stand to come and talk to God about it. I know you can do that at your seat. God's just as real back there as he is up here. I get that. But I think it does more for you to walk forward, to be accountable to someone. 
If you'd like to pray with someone, we'll be standing here and pray, and we'll be glad to pray with you. If you want to pray alone, then just come and kneel and pray. But don't leave this morning with the same perspective you walked in with. Life is short, and hell is real. The scripture says that broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few that find it. How will they know the way unless we show the way? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, I am thankful for a church that loves people, that serves people. Lord, we want to continue to be that church. But Lord, help each of us in this room this morning to gain the right perspective. That there's many more outside the walls of this building who don't know Jesus. May we be burdened to pray for them. You said in John 13, 35, that they, the lost, will know that we are your disciples by the love we have for one another. God, help us daily to pray, to live, and to serve. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to close the service out with a worship this morning. What a great, wonderful song. Jesus paid it all. If you'd like to pray, the altar is open this morning.